Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. So uh, we're going to continue with the emotional series. Um, so I, I just want to ask y'all for a favor real quick. Can I hear y'all say amen? Amen. Can I hear y'all say Hallelujah. All right, so now I know if I don't hear that again, that lets me know how I'm doing this morning, all right? So, <laughs> all right, so uh, this morning, uh, pa- uh, Pastor Noe, the last couple of weeks, he's talked about uh, anxiety, and he's talked about fear, and so this morning, we're going to talk about the battle for your mind, all right? And uh, the subtitle for this is Jacob's Identity, and so I'm going to be taking us through the story of of Joseph, right, in the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis. And we've all heard the story of Joseph about his beautiful coat and how he was his dad's favorite and how he was betrayed by his brothers and sold off. And, you know, he went on to rise through adversity and was in prison and then eventually became one of the great leaders of of Egypt, right? And he was able to save his family from famine and save the nation from famine. But this time reading through, I was looking at kind of like a side story, right? And I wanted to look at it through the eyes of what Jacob went through during, during this story. Because if you're reading through this story, it kind of goes back and forth, right? It goes to what Joseph is going through in Egypt, and it goes back to what his family is going through in Canaan. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, the story of Joseph was one of my favorite stories, right? Because here's this young boy who's taken from his family and he's taken through all this adversity. He's, uh, you know, sold as a slave. And then he gets accused of, you know, all this crazy stuff and ends up in prison. And, you know, just back and forth, it seems like all these terrible things are happening to him. And the whole time, as a kid, he's able to keep his faith in God and keep his trust in God and, and see, you know, what, what, what God had for him. But, you know, as we, as we grow older and as we experience life, through the lens of parenthood or as a husband or a wife or whatever it is through your job or whatever, our perspective begins to kind of shift, right? And so it, make, it gave me a little bit more appreciation for what Jacob would have been going through as a parent and as a father to, loo- to lose his son the way he did. And uh, I put it here that the loss of the future that he had envisioned for himself, the loss of his dream and his hope, There's a lot of times, I think, in life where we have this vision for our life. We have this expectation for our life. We have these dreams and we have these hopes that that we envision of how things are going to happen. And then life comes, right? And they, and they don't necessarily go the way that they, we think that they should. Let's look at Genesis 37, 31 through 35. This picks up whenever, right after Joseph's brothers had sold him into slavery, right? It says that they took Joseph's coat and they butchered a goat. And they dipped the coat in blood, and they took the fancy coat back to their father and said, we found this. Look it over. Do you think this is your son's coat? So, like, clearly they're, you know, they know it's his, whose coat it is, right? And they know what they've done, but they're trying to really sell it to their dad. And it says, he recognized it at once. My son's coat, a wild animal has eaten him. Joseph torn limb from limb. And it says that Jacob tore his clothes in grief, dressed in rough burlap, and he mourned his son a long, long time. 
His sons and daughters tried to comfort him, but he refused their comfort. He says, I'll go to my grave mourning my son. Oh, how his father wept for him. You know, Jacob just wasn't mourning his son, right? He was mourning the loss of what he viewed as his hope and his dream for what God had given him, right? Because if you understand who Joseph was to Jacob, you have to look back at the last 30, 40 years of of Jacob's life and everything that he went through. You see, Jacob, when he was a young man, he went to this well to water his animals and there was this beautiful woman there and he immediately fell in love with her and he's like, hey girl, I'm gonna marry you. Like, <laughs> and she's like, you need to go talk to my dad, all right? And so Joseph, I mean, Jacob goes and he talks to Balin, her father, and he enters into this agreement, right? We're gonna work, I'm gonna work for you for seven years and when seven years is up, I get to marry Rachel. And Balin's like, all right, we're going to do this. We, they shake hands on it, do what they got to do. They make a covenant with each other. So he works hard for seven years, right? L- toils and labors and does everything that he has to do. And then the wedding night comes. And then he wakes up the next morning and Rachel's sister, Leah, is laying in his bed. And he just realized, oh man, I just got tricked. (laughs) I married the wrong one. But he was still determined, right? He still saw the hope and the promise. He still loved Rachel. And so he went and talked to Balin and Balin's like, work for me another seven years, okay? And then you can marry Rachel. And he's like, you know what? I love this woman. This is what I want. This is what I need in my life. And so he agrees, right? And he goes and he works another seven years. And then he gets to marry Rachel. And then some time passes and he's able to go on with his life and he ends up leaving Balin's camp with, with all of his herd and he's got his wives, he's got a few kids, you know, all, everything seems to be going right. And then he comes to this place called Peniel and he meets God face to face. And he ends up wrestling with God, physically, literally wrestling face to face with God. And God tells him to let, let me go. And Jacob says, I'm not gonna let you go unless, unless you bless me. And so in that place and in that time, God blesses Jacob and he changes his name. He changes his name to Israel. And, and the, word, the word Israel means a people chosen by God who prevail with God. Man, that's, that's powerful, isn't it? Not, so, so it wasn't just an accident, one just a happenstance that Jacob met God in that place. God had a specific plan, a specific purpose, and he even changed Jacob's identity. He said, you're no longer Jacob. You are now Israel. You are, a per, you are a people chosen by me, and you are a people who are going to prevail by what I'm going to do in your life. Amen? How many of y'all throughout your life have had or worked hard to achieve a big dream in your life? I know I have. You know, it, you know we, all, we all have hopes and dreams, right? We all have put in the blood, we've put in the sweat, we put in the tears, we put in the time. We've done what we had to do to make things in life work. And then life comes along and it doesn't work out, right? And sometimes it's really tragic. Sometimes it is as serious as losing a child or losing a job or losing a business or whatever it is that you found your identity in, whatever it is that you found your hope and your purpose in, life just seems to have come and taken that away from you. And we can experience the grief and we can experience the hopelessness that, that Jacob felt in that moment. You know, uh, when I was younger, I had uh, started college 
uh, I graduated early from high school and I started college and then I met my beautiful wife and, and I made a promise to her dad. The, the only thing her dad asked me for whenever I asked him if I could marry her is to promise him that she would finish school. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do what I got to do to make sure she finishes school. And so I, I quit school and I was working and she, so that way she could go to school and finish and we could fulfill that promise. But it was still always my hope and my desire to finish college, right? And it got, it got to the point to where that's kind of where I placed my identity. I placed my hope was if I'm able to finish college, then I can make something of myself. If I'm able to finish college, I can get this degree and then I can, I, I can have status or I can have, you know, the ability to get a better job and provide, you know, I had all these ideas for, for my life and for my family, and for whatever reason, just situation after situation, if I told you the whole story, we'd have to make this a two-parter. But <laughs> so, uh, so I'll just kind of cut to the chase. Eventually, I end up having to drop out of school because of financial aid reasons. And it was like crushing for me. You know, I felt like, man, now, now what? You know, like, what am I going to do? Like, I don't have a degree. I don't have education. I'm going to have to go and just get whatever job I can get and just try to make it work. And and I felt, I felt hopeless, hopelessness take over me. I felt like my identity had been stolen from me. I felt like my dream and my hope were gone. And it, it, really, it really put me in a bad place. And so I think that's why I kind of identify with Jacob's story up to that point. You see that when, when Jacob lost what he's viewed as his promise, he was fooled into a lie of the enemy, just like I was fooled into a lie of the enemy. You see that God didn't promise Jacob a favorite wife or a favorite son. He promised Jacob a covenant and he promised Jacob an entire nation. Amen. Like he promised Jacob, like I have something so great for you that you can't even imagine what it is that I have for you. But Jacob was short-sighted, just like I was short-sighted. I'm sure even like some of you have been sometimes in your life, you've been short-sighted about what God's promise really is for your life. And we get caught up in the here and the now, and we can't truly see what God has for us. You know, God reminded Jacob when he became Israel that his father and that his father before him had also made a covenant with God. You know, the God of Abraham and Isaac they wrestle, uh, he wrestled with Jacob and he gave him this promise. And, and even though Jacob experienced God face to face and didn't die, even though he had all of these sons and all of this wealth and all of this, all of this land and everything surrounding him, he still couldn't see the promise of God in his life because he was distracted by what he had lost, what he had placed his identity in. Amen. You know, how many, how many of y'all have found yourself in that situation? Maybe, maybe some of y'all are in that situation right now and you just can't even see it. Because I know when I was in the middle of it, I didn't see it. I didn't see that I had a wife who loved me and who, did, and who sacrificed for me and who loved the Lord. I couldn't see that I had two beautiful sons that honored God with their life by, by serving his people and by serving in church. I didn't see that I had a job that I was able to provide food for my family. We, ne we never went hungry. We were never homeless. We, we, never, we never lacked for anything, but I was still so caught up in what I felt like I should have had in my life that I could not even see how blessed we were. Maybe that's you this morning. But I'll tell you what, God has an answer for that, amen? Yes. You know, it, it got to the point to where 
Jacob eventually, he gets to the point where he even begins to like micromanage everything in his life. Even the things that he can physically put his hands on, he begins to micromanage those because he's so afraid of losing more than he's already lost that he just can't let go of anything, that he just begins to hold on to everything that he has. And he just, he's just so worried all the time. He's so anxious. He's so fearful that even more is going to be taken away from him, that he begins to just clamp down on everything and it begins to cost him. So if we go further on in the story, there's a famine in the land, right? And, and he sends out 10 of his sons to take their wagons and take their goods and, and, you know, all their gold and everything that they have because they need to go to Egypt to buy food because there's a famine in the land. And, and if they don't go and get this food, they're going to starve, right? Their animals are going to starve to death. Their families, I mean, it's going to be a bad situation. And it says in 42 uh, verses 3 through 5, in Genesis, it says, 10 of Joseph's brothers went down to Egypt to get food. And Jacob didn't send Joseph's brother Benjamin with them. He was afraid that something bad might happen to him. So Israel's son joined everyone else that was going to Egypt to buy food for Canaan too was hit hard by the famine. See, Benjamin and Joseph were the two sons that he got from his favorite wife, Rachel. So not only did he labor for 14 years to get Rachel... And not only did he wrestle with God and get this promise in his life to, to have, have generations and generations of people that were chosen by God, but even after they were married, Rachel was barren for 14 more years. So here we are, like 28 plus years of Jacob's life is wrapped up in this promise, right? He's wrapped up in this vision. 28 years of his life is wrapped up in this vision of what he thinks life should be. He, he had to work 14 years to marry his wife and then another 14 years before she could even bear him a son. And so when he lost, when he lost his son, Joseph, he couldn't bear to think that he could also lose Benjamin. That's all he had left of his wife, right? That's all he had left of that remnant of that promise in his life. Benjamin was, was what Jacob saw as his last hope. And instead of having faith, and God, he held on to that physical hope, literally. He held on to his son. And he's like, you're not taking my son. This is all I have left. And his other sons are like, look, if we don't take him, if we don't go and get this food, we're going to lose everything. And Jacob was so preoccupied by, with what he could touch, he didn't have the vision to see what he could lose. Not only was he going to lose that son, but he was going to lose his wives. He was going to lose his other sons. He was going to lose his grandchildren. He was going to lose everything. And they were literally going to die. But he was like, no, you can't take him. This is, a, this is, this is all I have. And then it goes on in uh, chapter 42, verse 36 through 38. It says, their father said to them, you're taking everything I've got. Joseph's gone, Simeon's gone, and now you want to take Benjamin. If you have your way, I'll be left with nothing. And then his son Reuben spoke up and he says, I'll put two sons in your hands as hostages. If I don't bring Benjamin back, you can kill them. Trust me with Benjamin, I'll bring him back. But Jacob still refused. My son will not go down with you. His brother is dead and he is all I have left. If something bad happens to him on the road, you'll put my gray sorrowing head in the grave. Jacob was willing to sacrifice everything for what he thought should have been. He was willing to give up everything for what he thought life should be. You know, Jacob, he was not 
acting like Jacob. He was acting like Jacob. He was not acting like Israel. You know, you might ask yourself this morning, like, what, what does this story have to do with me, Brother Pat? Like, I, I don't fully understand maybe how this relates to me. But I, needed, I want to tell you right now that this has been something that's burning in my heart in my life as I continue to grow, as I continue to seek the Lord. And I know that he has brought you here this morning. And maybe I'm not preaching to every single person in here this morning, but I'm preaching to somebody here who needs to hear this word. The Lord is saying that we need to stop being Jacob and that we need to start being Israel because Israel had the promise but Jacob, he was a cheat, right? He was a liar. He, he, he was all of these things. He had lost, he had, when things got tough, he lost hope in what God had for him. But Israel was a man who held the promise. Israel was a man who had made covenant with God. Israel was a man who knew the promise of God. And he was the one who was holding on to that. But Jacob had lost his identity of who he was. You see, when we, when we get fixated on the things that we thought have should have been, we cannot see what is. I'm going to say that again. If you, if you stay fixated on the things that you think should have been, you cannot see what is. You see, when Jacob's hope and promise came full circle and his sons were standing before Joseph as ruler of Egypt, the vision that Jacob had for who Joseph should have been was so different and so much greater than anything that he could have ever imagined that Joseph's own brothers didn't even recognize him when they were standing before him. They could have never imagined in their wildest dreams that this little boy they tossed in a pit and sold to these slave traders would be the man standing before him, ruling an entire nation that had the food to, to provision them for seven years to make it, make it through this famine. They could have never imagined what God could have done with that promise that they believed to be dead, that promise that they believed to be gone, to be, have been taken away. How many of us today are still caught up in what could have been, what should have been, you know, how life should be what, you know, what, what, God, why did you take that from me? You know, why did this situation happen? Why am I in the situation where I'm missing out on the things that you promised me? And we're just like Jacob. Our promise could be standing right in front of us, but it's so much greater. It's so different. It's so much, it's so far beyond what we could have hoped or imagined that we can't even recognize it that it's standing right in front of us, that very thing that we thought we lost, is it's out there. Because God is a God who sets a path for us. God is a God who sets a way for us. He's not a God who abandons us. He's not a God who says, okay, here's your salvation. Good luck with that. And he heads out the door, right? No, he is a God that makes a covenant with us. He stands with us. He stands on his word. The word says that God is not a man who would lie. When God makes covenant with us, he keeps his word. Amen? Amen. In Genesis 45, 3 through 8, it said, Joseph spoke to his brothers. This is when his brothers are before him. And he tells them, I am Joseph. Is my father really still alive? But his brothers couldn't say a word. They were speechless. They couldn't believe what they were hearing and seeing. Come closer to me, Joseph said to his brother, and they came closer. 
He said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt, but don't feel badly. Don't blame yourselves for selling me. God was behind it. God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There has been famine in the land now for two years. The famine will continue for five more years, neither plowing nor harvesting. And this is what always sticks out to me. It says, God sent me on ahead to pave the way and make sure that there was a remnant in the land to save your lives and an amazing act of deliverance. It says, so you see, it wasn't you who sent me here. It wasn't the situation that sent me here. It was God who took me out of that situation and he saw down the road. He saw the trouble that was coming and he placed me here to deliver you from your current situation. You know, whenever I was preparing this message, I was thinking, okay, Lord, like what are some reference scriptures that I can put in here from the New Testament, you know, because I know like sometimes people get kind of sketched out if you're only reading from the old, from the OT, you know, <laughs> you know, but God, God told me something and this ain't even in my notes. He was, he, he was telling me this morning, he said, I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. The same promise that he gave us in Christ when we make covenant with Christ, the same promises that we get, the same deliverance that we get, the same, the, the, the same power, the same God who's pulling us out of sin, who's pulling us out of all these situations that we're going in through life is the same God back in Genesis who made covenant with Jacob. And he said, I have a promise for you. I have a promise for your people and I'm gonna pull you out. I'm gonna deliver you. I'm gonna keep you. And so I want to let you know that the same God all the way back in Genesis is the same God we serve today. He had the same plan from the very beginning that he has for us now. Amen. God is a God who goes before us and he sets a path. He knows what you're going to go through. He sees the road you're going to travel down. But who are you going to trust? What are you going to put your faith in? What are you going to find your identity in? You're going to find your identity in your circumstances are you going to find your identity in the God who said, I have you? The God who said, I'm going to save you. The God who said, I'm going to deliver you. Thank you, Lord. We're going to read uh, in Genesis uh, 45, 25 through 28. says, they left Egypt and went back to their father Jacob in Canaan. And when they told him Joseph is still alive, he's the ruler over the whole land of Egypt, he went numb. says he couldn't believe his ears. But the more that they talked, telling him everything that Joseph had told them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent back to, to carry back, it said the blood started to flow again. Their father Jacob's spirit revived. And this is something really powerful here. There's, there's a very specific reason why the author wrote this the way he wrote it. It says that the blood started to flow again and their father Jacob's spirit was revived. And then it says that Israel said, I've heard enough. The author was very specific about that. If you read through the story, if you read through like 20 chapters, it says Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. And it's all these negative things. Jacob, 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 Jacob. And when you get to this verse right here, 
when the news was delivered to him by his sons that Joseph is still alive. It says that his blood began to flow again, that his spirit was revived. And it says that Israel said, I have heard enough. I've heard enough. I know that Joseph is alive and I need to go see him before I die. You know, there's some people here this morning, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're going through. The Lord didn't show me that, but he showed me you're here this morning. He brought you here for a specific reason. And he wants me to tell you this morning that Joseph is still alive. He's telling you this morning that Joseph is still alive. And if that's you this morning, then you can identify with that. You know what that means. It doesn't literally mean Joseph, but you know what I mean. Your hope, your dream is still alive. And God is telling you this morning to let your blood begin to flow again. Let your spirit be revived. And remember who you are. Remember that your identity is in Christ. Don't be caught up in your, with your identity and the things that you hope for and that you dream for and that you think that you lost. God says, I can take care of all of that. I've got all of that. I need you to know who you are in me this morning. God is saying, Joseph is still alive. And all he needs for you to say is, I've heard enough. I know who I am in Christ. I know, I know who God has called me to be. I know the God that I serve. I trust him. I put my faith in him and I've heard enough. My blood's flowing again, thank you, Lord. My spirit's being revived this morning. Thank you, Lord. Because I know where my identity lies. Jacob remembered who he was. He remembered the covenant that God had made with him, that God had made with his forefathers. You know, he remembered that he served a God who keeps his promises. I want to tell you something this morning. The promises of God that we read through the entire word, they are a condition of our identity in him. The promises that we get are not the only thing that we have. They are just a byproduct of our identity in him. Our promises are our identity is not found in those things because if our identity was found in, the, in these promises that we think we should have, when things don't work out the way that we think that they should work out, then our identity goes away with that dream, doesn't it? But I want to tell you this morning, when you put your identity in Christ, it doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. It doesn't matter if you're hungry or you're fed. It doesn't matter if you're living on the street or if you have a roof over your head. Your identity does not change because God does not change. God says that I will keep you, that I will never leave you, that I will never forsake you, that I have you. Don't get caught up in the things that you think you should have had. Don't get caught up in the things that you think you lost because I have a greater plan for you. I have a greater purpose for you, but I need you to say, I've heard enough, Lord. I know who I am in you. I know who I am. I stand on the promise that I'm saved. I stand on the promise 
that I'm redeemed. You know, I think, I think the battle of our mind is do we know who we are in Christ? Or do we still identify with who we were before? When life comes at us and we feel insignificant, we feel unworthy, we feel like we're not living up to what God has called us to, all those old names come up, right? Liar, thief, gossip, blasphemer, addict, unbeliever, broken, depressed, anxious, fearful. How many of y'all are holding on to that identity this morning? How many of y'all are holding on to those names? Those are the names you hold on to when you find your identity in the things that you think you should have the things that you can hold, the things that you can hold on to and try to micromanage and try to force into existence, you know, all those things that you worked for, all those things that you think that you should have, but it didn't work out. Those are all the names that come with that. But I tell you what, God has different names for you. He calls you blessed. He calls you righteous. He calls you redeemed. He calls you holy and set apart. He calls you his child. He calls you sons and daughters of the living God. He calls you children of his promise. You are the children of that promise. The covenant that he made. However many 10,000, 12,000 years ago, whatever it was, was fulfilled in Christ. And you and me, we are the children of that same promise. We are children of that same legacy. The word says that we are a spotless bride, that we are kings and that we are priests, that we're a holy nation. Thank you, Lord. You know, when we... We put our hope, when we put our hope in Christ, we remember who we are in Christ. When life comes our way and throws us that curveball, are we not going to feel fear? Are we not going to feel doubt? Are we not going to feel anxiety? No, because we're human, right? God, we have these emotions. We're stuck in this body. But I can tell you one thing when you're hope is in Christ, when your identity is found in Christ and life brings those things to you, you will not be overwhelmed by them. You will not be controlled by the anxiety, even if you feel it. You will not be controlled by the fear, even if you feel it. You will have faith that overcomes that doubt, even if you feel it, because Christ has done the work. And when we find our identity in who he is, when we place our identity in who he is, you know, Psalm 91 says, when we hide in the shadow of the Almighty. And then it goes on to say that, you know, 10,000 may fall to my left and 20,000 may fall to my right, but this evil thing that's coming against me cannot come nigh unto me. That's what it's talking about. It doesn't mean that life's going to be, you know, easy, that nothing bad is ever going to happen again. But the word says that you will not be overwhelmed. 
you will not be overcome by the world. You know, we have, we've been talking about fear and anxiety and depression and all these, all these different battles of our mind over the past few weeks. Even, even in our soul, you know, we're, we're this body and we have this soul, which is our mind, will, and our emotions, and we have our spirit, right? You know, our identity is so secure in Christ that even in our soul, even in our mind, and our will, and in our emotions, this, this, these things that seem out of control sometimes, like, you know, you know, Pastor, Pastor Noe talked about, you know, it could be a chemical imbalance, or it could be whatever it is, and, and, it, and those things are real, right? Those things are true, but the word says that even in our physical body, even in our mind and our will and our emotions, our spirit, everything, that we have security. That it's not just this hope and promise that we'll have one day when we get to heaven. Right here, right now, God has given us authority. If you find your identity in Christ, you have authority to stand against the enemy when he comes against you. The word says that, it, the word says that if we resist him, that he will flee that we can cast down these vain imaginations, that we can hold on to the promise that God has for us. We can be secure in knowing that God doesn't lie and that God does not disappoint. You know, when we stand on the covenant that we made with God, then we know that the promises are secure. It's so easy to get hyper-focused on those promises, those things, the, the things that we think that should happen. But I promise you, when your mind and your will and your emotions and your spirit, everything that you are, becomes focused on who you are in Christ, you won't worry about all those other things because you know that the God that you have covenant with just like the God that Jacob had covenant with, the same God, the same promise, the same unbreakable holy covenant that you have made with the God of all creation, that all the promises are secure. You don't have to worry about anything. Even when life seems to be falling apart, even when life seems hopeless, even when it doesn't seem like anything can go right for you, you won't be shaken. You won't be overwhelmed because you know who the God is that you serve. You know, I wasn't planning on doing this, but if I can ask the elders to come up and the prayer, prayer team to come up, I just feel like there's some people here who needed to hear this message this morning. And the Lord wants you to know that he has you. That he knows who you are. He knows what, what you're going through. And that he's that God that has gone before you. And he knows what you're about to go through. He knows the famine that you've been suffering with. And he says, just trust in me. Stand on the covenant that you have with me. And continue down this road because I have a promise waiting for you. When you find your identity in me, I've got you taken care of. I've got all of those situations taken care of, all those things that you're disappointed about, all those things that you think you lost. He says, I have you, and I have exactly what you need at exactly the right time.
you know, if that's you this morning, I want you to just come forward and, and, and pray, with, pray with our prayer team. And if you have anything else that you need prayer for, the altar is open for, for anybody. Uh, you know, I just want to thank Pastor, Sun, uh, Pastor Sonny. <laughs> My mind went back 20 years to, to, <laughs> to, that shows you how often I have the opportunity to preach. It's been a while. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Pastor Noe, um, I don't take it lightly that he gives me the opportunity to come up here and share the word because I know that it's a serious thing and it's an important thing. And uh, just, you know, I thank God for this opportunity because I know, I know that there's someone somewhere that needed to hear this morning, hear this word this morning. And I needed to hear it myself again. <laughs> you know, we all go through times in our life where, you know, there's a, God may be dealing with something in your life and teaching you something and he opens up that door, that opportunity for you to share it with his people. Amen. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day. Father God, I thank you for your people. I thank you, Lord God, that we are not focused on the situation. Father God, we are not focused on what we think should have been or what we should or shouldn't have in our life, Father God. That we find our identity in you, Lord. That we find our hope in you. That we find our purpose in you, Father God. And your word says, Father God, that when we enter into that covenant with you, that all of these promises are secure in our life. That you will keep us, Father God. That you will deliver us. That you redeem us, Father God. I just thank you for that, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that your presence is here this morning, Lord. I thank you, Lord God, that you are touching the hearts and minds of the people, Father God, who have gathered together to lift up you in one accord, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Lord God, that we can gather in this place and that we can worship you together, Lord. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to keep your hand of protection upon Pastor Noah and Pastor Becky and their kids, Father God, as they travel. Lord God, I thank you, Lord God, that you would continue to renew them. Father God, that you would continue to, to give them strength, Father God. Lord, we thank you, Father God, that you have blessed this house with, with them, Father God, with their anointing and with their gifts, Father God. Lord, and we pray, Lord God, that you would just continue to bless them in every way, Father God. We just ask you all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.